about PTOs, I can talk about um, different types of lubrication, lots of different things. It certainly keeps the grassroots borders, you know, team happy. So <laughs> yeah, I love that, like Cabby said, unfortunately we didn't have to resort to talking about tractors like everybody who's involved in Scottish rugby doesn't love tractors. It'd be the most popular thing we've ever done. I don't know. I'm, um, hi, everyone. As you may have noticed, uh, we've got some technical issues this evening. Cammy is there somewhere hosting hosting the podcast, but I don't think anyone's told him his, he hasn't realised his mic's muted and he's probably disappeared again. He's, uh, no, as his internet he's is uh, now he's back. Now he's, yeah. he's still, he's still muted, though. Muted. Yeah, hang on a minute. There's a wee... Can I click that button? Aye. I've clicked the unmute mic button on him. But it's uh, it says that it says that his mic is not connected. That's the problem. You see. So, ah, well. So there we go. So um, tra- anyway, Cami, Cami is there. As you, Cami is there. As you can see, we've been doing this pandemic thing, and and Cami still can't work out he's on mute. We're <laughs> gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do it live in person, round a table, single camera, multiple microphones, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, good evening to those of you that that do have an internet connection that works. Um, we are you are listening to watching. Uh, depending on your platform, the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Uh, my name is Roy Baldwin. I'm the editor of the Scottish Rugby Blog, and uh, Cammy Black, the host of the Scottish Rugby Podcast, is he'll be with us at some point. We hope. Um, also with us this evening, we've got uh, Johnny McGinty. Good evening. How are we doing? We've got Sorry, Ian Hay. Cammy could tell him he's on mute. Hello. Yes, I was just unmuting myself while also telling Cammy he's on mute. Um, hi, everyone. And we've got. We've got renowned tractor expert Craig Manson. Uh, I wasn't talking to anyone about being on mute. I was just thinking about tractors. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all there is. Um, as usual, you can find us on social media. Uh, this is going out, I think, on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Um, you can get us through the Scottish Rugby Forum, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, stay away. From that There's um, a banner for you. Oh, how do I do that? I don't. You see, this is the thing they put me in charge, but I don't have the power of doing anything. I'm just like, it's all right, a, I'll do the buttons. I'll do the buttons. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, got, it's not like we've got anything to talk about anyway. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. So, um, we could get the get the rubbish stuff out of the way. Did anyone watch the Glasgow game at the weekend? Um, no. y- yeah. I've only I only had I mean, one time to be disappointed by one team. Well, when you say Glasgow, team. do you mean uh, what one? Because I, I I was at the, Glasgow Hawks, which meant I missed the, the Warriors Sorry, the, pro- the professional Glasgow Warriors. Um, I've seen oh, it once on replay, and I currently have it on in case we want to. Man, I was hoping you were going to leave that till later. Can you not fill with Yeah, I mean, we can, we can come back to it. Because there's been some fairly hairy news for the old Yeah, East we could go through the, go through the news in the news. I'm here, in the news, uh, Glasgow lost in South Africa. There you go, we've covered that. Nice um, job, thanks, Rory. Appreciate it. Probably the the big, biggest bit of biggest bit of non-international news this week was uh, Mike Blair announcing that he was going to stand down as the Edinburgh head coach at the end of the end of the season uh, in order to focus more on actual kind of day-to-day player coaching. Um, doesn't. There's nothing, nothing that we know really if he's uh, if he's going to stick around at Edinburgh or if he's going to look for a job somewhere else. Um, what do you reckon, Craig? Is that uh, is it? Is he going to be able to work under a different head coach, having been the head coach himself? Um, well, he was asked the question um, on a, a another podcast and um, whether he would consider it because uh, um, it has been it has happened before, and he didn't say he wouldn't. But he didn't say he would. Um, so it was very, he kind of avoided the question a little bit. Um, but I've got a feeling that he um, he did say that, um, I think it was, a, I don't know if it was, it John D'Ell quoted and said basically that uh, um, you may not have, you, know, you may, may not be in work, but you're available for work. And I think, uh, um, I think there's going to be uh, plenty of people um uh, trying to get his signature onto a piece of paper to be their attack coach because he's done a very, very good job with attack, not only with Scotland, not only with a bit of Glasgow work as well, but also for Edinburgh. So, um, we're all a bit gutted, to be perfectly honest, but on the other side of things, totally understand and totally see his point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's actually quite um, a brave move, Johnny, to sort of admit when you're 
not necessarily in over your head, but when you're not necessarily in, enjoying what you're what you're doing or what you've been given to do, and try and find something that's actually uh, more fulfilling. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is, and it's it's quite rare, I think, especially um, with coaches. They they tend to kind of keep going until they're pushed rather than than admit it. And and Mike Blair's been saying basically since Christmas the eighteen seventy two games that there was something going on at Edinburgh and he was struggling to work out what it was. Um, made a huge effort not to put it on the players, which I thought was really impressive. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's taken that time since those two games to try and figure it out and has, has obviously come to the conclusion that that's that's a better job for somebody else to do. So fair play to him, I say. Like, not many coaches would put themselves in that position. So I think he's he's actually done really well and he's he's done the best thing for himself and for the club. So, Yep. Are we going to see um, a situation where he and Townsend are going for the same jobs. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh, I think Townsend probably imagines he's going for for a slightly higher caliber of job than Mike Blair. And his job's going to end. I, I wouldn't see so... Mike Blair. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't see Mike Blair going for France attack coach, for example. Oh yeah, you've seen it work though. Like Stuart Lancaster stepped down from England, and now he's. Um... He's just Leinster, well, just Leinster assistant coach as they've gone on, you know, a ridiculous spree of um, churning out victory after victory. So, uh, yeah, if you go into the right role, and I think Mike Blair's, you know, it's very, like you have said, it's, it's a brave call to say, this isn't for me. Um, but if he knows what he wants to do, and I think he will become, like you said, he wants to become a world-class attack coach. And I think he has that potential because he's just recently... Yeah recently ish retired, still connects with players when I've heard him you know talking at press conferences and stuff. He focuses on players and the good things they do and he, he bigs them up, you know, especially his backs division. Um so I think he'll be he will turn good scrum halves into great scrum halves and good attacking backs into great attacking back teams. I think he's got real and, potential. Yeah, I mean I noticed some of the coaches that he kinda of name checked in his, his interviews earlier in the week. Um Brad uh, Moore Obviously, that's consulting with Scotland at the moment, but Dave Rennie and um, Townsend were two that he sort of said that he'd enjoyed working at. So, do you reckon Dave Rennie, Mike Blair, dream team for Edinburgh, Craig? <laughs> now that was that's a that's a question from um, that's an interesting one because uh, I think Dave Rennie was 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 wanting to go back down to the southern hemisphere because he was his wife was missing home. So, um, I'm not entirely sure if he wants to come back up to the uh, Maybe the better side of Scotland, you never know. But um, it's uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, we we'll wait see. basically surfers paradise, isn't it? So well, that's true. That's true. Um, but uh, no, I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think there'd be a problem with um, with Dave Rennie, but I don't think he's um, he's ready to come back to a URC side. Um, there's lots of talk about um, Lee Blackett, um, who was the ex Wasps um, coach, who is currently a um, an assistant coach with Scarlets, if I'm right in saying so. Um, let's talk of him, and, and to be perfectly honest, he would fit a fairly good bill because his um, the way the players were playing at Wasps um, were very attacking. They, they, they were they were an attacking side. The only unfortunate thing about Wasps was that, well, apart from not having any money, was the fact that. Um, the uh, their defence was fairly poor, so that's that would be a fairly. Uh, before anyone says from from the Glasgow side of things, that's just not that's just normal for Edinburgh. Um, no, uh, I think we've got a fairly good defence, so I would hope um, if he did come along, um, we would uh, we would keep up the defensive st- skills and keep pushing forward the attack. If you know what I mean. Um, other other news this week. There apparently has been a feasibility study into the possibility of a women's Lions team. What thoughts on thoughts on that, guys? Can't wait. Hope it happens. Where did you see the I think you'd have to start New Zealand, surely. Yeah, and I think you'd maybe even have to go with a select side if you can get, because England have been so dominant. I think it was Stella Mills that put a tweet out saying, you know. We have to be realistic here. If it was going to be a Lions team, it would be dominated by England players. Um, which is absolutely correct because they were on a ridiculous winning run until that 
remarkable cup final. But again, that was, well, not that 14, well, that's, that's the uh, red cards ruin ma- matches, don't they? But it, sometimes <laughs> it helps to level them out. I'm um, sure we'll get on to that. So you, there, would, uh... you would have to, I mean, would New Zealand be able to keep, because England had pumped New Zealand a few times before that game. Um, so you'd have to sort of make sure that the calibre of opponent is, is ready. Yeah, what, it would be a what about the, um, the situation that we've kind of talked about when um, coaches have not picked enough Scottish players for the lines of mandatory minimums? I mean, could you could you split the, like enforce a kind of equal split on the on the squad in order to, to make it so not England dominated and also maybe make it a slightly more... Um, daunting challenge for the Lions rather than just rocking down there with England plus a couple of other girls and just hammering them. You could, but then there's a sort of merit issue. Yeah, It's tricky as well when they're not not all of the unions involved in the Lions are fully professional yet. So we're currently at a stage still like, like an old-fashioned Lions tour where people could potentially get picked for the Lions and then have to take two months off work to go and do it. Travelling so, on a rat-infested boat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the feasibility study is a good start, and I'm glad that it came back and said that it's possible because it was kind of squeaky bum time for a while. But I wouldn't. I would like to see it happen really soon. But then there's also a part of me that thinks that like it's good we've got this thing to say yes it can happen. Now let's wait until we can do it properly. For me. Hi, Hi Camik. Hello, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. My, let's, see, let's see how my internet connection goes. Um, I think there's a missed trick here in, as Rory said, because because you've got um, England so dominant. You, you, why aren't we looking at North versus South every four years? So forget the concept of the line being British and Irish and just go with a North v South. Are you trying to sneak yeah. an all-star game in through the back door by starting with a women's game? Is that what's happening here? Well, yeah. I mean, why not do something different? There's a definitely a definitely an argument to it. Doesn't have to to follow everything that happens in the men's game. As there were some people kind of pointing that out on Twitter earlier, but um, yeah, no, all-star game or um, the world. World Rugby Classic, that wouldn't quite work because people play for their countries anyway. It's not like baseball. <laughs> so uh, Lions versus a test nation, but with ringers. That's what we're looking at. Kind of, either or it's just like a sort of... Um, Barbarians. Kind of deal. North Barbaz versus South Barbaz, but in some kind of touring, like swap, swap who goes where, maybe. As long as it's not in somewhere like Dubai. Yeah. Um, you'd want it to be an actual tour somewhere you know if it was in the north then one country or a couple of countries in the north would host it and then they'd go south the next time so you could almost rotate the countries like you did the lines but just the makeup of the teams could be slightly different imagine how glorious a kit would look it was just like really thin stripes of white red green and two shades of blue be amazing because you'd have to have France as well. Yep, that was like a bit like a sort of golf BHS 90s. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly, that's pretty much exactly what I'm thinking of. Oh, you'd, like. you'd, would, you'd, you'd get the old cotton, cotton jersey club on your side with that one, definitely. Right. Yeah, Some, something right. they wear in cheers. Yes, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's almost exactly that's, what I'm thinking yeah. of. It's funny though, we've been watching it back and as soon as Woody Harrelson comes in, Sam stops wearing rugby shirts and Woody is like the rugby shirt guy. <laughs> but yeah, there's some, some great ones. Uh, Cammy seems to have disappeared again. Um, Cammy's disappeared again. I mean, we'll just we'll just crack on uh, talking. Just, any, other, any other news you want to look at this week, Jess? Tom Jordan has signed a three-year contract extension, which means he will eventually become residency qualified as a 10. Um in case we need him. You know, Finn's getting on a bit. Uh, I don't know, is, are we time on the, the Blair Switch project, or is he more of a backup option? Um, I, I think we'll get on to this when we talk about Saturday, or Sunday even. Um, I, I think the Blair Kinghorn project is complete now in the way that, that 
uh, I kind of thought it was going to be completed. I don't think that the Blair Kingon project was ever for him to be a full-time 10. Um, we'll talk about it when we go into the game. But I think we're, we're where we need to be with Blair Kingon now. Well, the thing, the thing is that, you know, it also one of the one of the biggest things is going to be who comes in next um, into Edinburgh. Um, because obviously, I think it's, it's not, you know, I think, I don't think it's just Tooney that's done around and went, actually, I want Blair King want to play 10. I think it's been, he's been playing 10 at um, Edinburgh and he's been playing well at 10 at Edinburgh. So uh, Tooney's kind of pricked up his ears and thought, right, well, I'll try him out in the, uh, uh, in the, the tour to Argentina. Um, you may find that whomever walks in um, decides to play um, Healy all the time and, and, and Blair goes back to 15, but we've just, we've just re-signed uh, Buffelli for a long time, so you know he's going to be dominating 15 for a long time. Emmerman's away, isn't he? <clears throat> uh, Sorry? Emmerman. Emmerman goes, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's away yeah. back to South Africa. And um, what's, what's the status with Yako? Because he's back fit, and obviously, you know, he was in the Scotland team. He, he played against Scarlett last week. Yeah, he came on at fullback, didn't he? Though I was playing fullback, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but when that's him, he's he's reverse king horned. He's uh, you know starting at fifteen rather than ten where he's always been. But again, that could be a Mike player thing because Yako was a is it Solomon to signed him. But it would have been one of those, you know, more pack dominating, we'd use him for territory gains rather than Finn Russell kind of nonsense. Um, where's Mike Blair? Is. That, Sorry. Oh, he, Mike Blair would be more prone to picking a sort of, let's attack the line 10. Rather. Yeah, because yeah, Yaka was very much, uh, is very good trader at 10, down the 10 channel, and he was also a very, very good kicker, still is a very good kicker. Um, but I, th- I think when it came to attack, um, that's where Blair kind of came into it a little bit more. But um, uh, but then we have, you know, it's it's, it's just going to be interesting because we're re-signing a few different people just now and we'll have to see what happens um, when it comes to uh, whomever they get to, to replace Mike Blair because that was a, was it this week was Angus Williams and Mark Bennett have both re-signed. Um, for Edinburgh, so we'll. Um, well, I knew there was a big Edinburgh player that resigned, so yeah, Bennett, that's one. As well as, yeah. I knew jo- Glasgow had one, then Edinburgh had one. Mm. It looks so like it was Cockers that would have signed Vanderbilt in 2017. Because mm. I'm sure he came in at the same, similar sort of time as uh, Duran. Yeah. If I remember and we correctly. were like, look at all these bloody South Africans, who are they? Never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> Look at them now. After well, the yeah, Alan Tottenham zero as well. They'll, yeah. they'll never go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nope. Um, well, how did I... the Thistles... Oh, Thistles... Was Thistles playing this weekend? Uh, they just lost. Yeah, they just lost. 26-22. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen that. What's that last week? I think it was... Was it... There'll be some highlights. I think it was quite close to the score. I think it was like 31-26 yeah. or something. And the last bit of a very quick kind of tangentially related international news, Ange Capuzzo is uh, potentially out of the rest of the Six Nations, which is good news for us. It's a shame because I was looking forward to seeing him. um, Anthony Jelange, who who obviously left the field, um, well, he he got the... uh, He's he's done his ACL. Yeah. Um, Perhaps he tried to tackle Doohan. Yeah, um, I say so try, that's... he absolutely monstered him, but towards ACL in the process. Yeah, I mean, it looked like Duhan was sort of trying to do a do a Dupont and not go anywhere, whilst an impossible force was leaning against him, but he almost made it. Um, who else won't take any part in the Six Nations? Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his name now. Mohamed Huas. Banned for flying headbutt. Has he been banned already, is he? Because I hadn't heard anything about Gilko's. Well, I've just seen it. uh, Four weeks 
Um, it was six weeks initially. Then he got three mitigation ticks for admitting he was guilty. Um, the, the remorse apology, one. guilty plea, and remorse apology, and good conduct. Good conduct. So we're like, what exactly? Laughably good... enough. Yeah, Wait, so... who, who's is that? How else you're talking about? Yeah, okay. yeah. How else? No, good Gilco, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Forgetting set off. Twice yeah, in a row against and he didn't get a tick for being a repeat offender either. It's like an aggravated increase. Oh, I think he did, didn't he? No, there's none. No, no uh, aggravating low, factor. Is it one of these things where it's like he punched someone last uh, time no, he's, he's, he's he's got no tick. repeat? Yeah, different, different he's, crime. There's, there's no tick for good record. Um, but yeah, you, no. aggravation, zero matches, repeat offender. Yeah, need for need for Terran. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah that never gets ticked, despite thing, the fact just... the whole point of this is to be a deterrent. <laughs> mm. I, I think he's, he might be getting another week off if he goes to rugby school. That's, that's a rumour I've heard, but I've not seen the full... Uh, head contact process coaching intervention. Is that the same as tackle school? What? Yeah, he'll, he'll, the... he'll be back for it from Montpellier if he does that. I've that lost is. track of it because Manitou Lagi got a week taken off his band for going to tackle school. But his ban was for um, forearm smashing somebody in the throat who was trying to tackle him. So yeah, did they just like did they just chuck tackle school out for everybody now? Even if it wasn't something for forearm different school. classes. Yeah, it's like you, yeah. you have to major in something different. Fifth, fifth it's, period it's forearms. Like tackle school is one week, so you have to do three days of um, like general tackle school, and then two days specific of what you specialised in getting sent off for. <laughs> double so, double so, tackle, and then a free period, then um, headbutting. So does that mean that um, Grant Gilchrist is going to get um, a reduction in sentence for looking like a, a puppy that's just done a a bad thing on the rug or something when he walked off? Take any other factors. Yep. I thought he was going to greet. I thought he was going to greet when he came up, started coming off. The big man just needs a wee cuddle. Hi. Well, I think that uh, I think his hearing is tomorrow, and we'll find out. But the his hearing. Intra, hello, I'm back again. I've now fixed my internet. Hey, Cammy. Oh, back off and make we touch as well. Just head head nurses right, and we can, uh, head teacher. You've got full Anderson. It's fine. It'll sort itself. <laughs> the problem is, it takes it takes um, Streamyard a wee while to find my level, but I'll, I'll be fine. about here, I'll, I'll not do the heavy brass. breathing like John. <laughs> Where was I? What I'm sure you've been, been listening, but we've, we've done most been, of the news. I've been listening and, and trying to change Wi-Fi channels, and I've fixed it. You've done. You've, you have done most of the news. Well done. You've you've um you filled in admirably, Rory. <laughs> I, I would say it's what I do, but it's completely not. So we're flying by the seat of seat of our pants. Interestingly, Grant Gilchrist's hearing was yesterday. Oh, was Muhammad, it? I was Muhammad, say, Huas, Muhammad Huas's was today, um, which is weird. So we haven't got. I checked before we came on in. We we haven't got Grant Gilchrist's outcome yet, hmm. but we have Muhammad Huas's. All right. Which, so, well, I I I can't understand with with he, with Muhammad Huas. I don't know why they haven't got aggravating factors. This is the second red card he has against Scotland. And also, is he not? Has he not got a, like a real world non sporting criminal case? Uh, yeah, he's, 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 uh, he's on a suspended sentence for burglary. Was it? Was, was it him with the hooky fags? That was fags. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we did 15 minutes on. This is what a classic, a, 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 a classic French criminal jape cartons of fags. <laughs> Is there any more French? Top, is there any more French criminal activity than nicking a, pa- a carton of fags? Depends what they are. Are they Galois? Yeah, oh, well, that's Galois, true. Bound to be. Um, but yeah, so I mean, whether or not Mohammed Huas was more just more straightforward, even though they, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how they've got to four weeks, but there, but there we go. Um, whereas maybe they're looking at more mitigation with Grant Gilchrist, but it was. But if they're not guilty, then that could be one thing, and then it's he would be yeah. daft. To, surely he'd be daft, Johnny. Johnny, <laughs> be daft the SRU's lawyers we're talking about. And well, that's true. Unless Mark Dodson has looked at it, Johnny, and gone, "Just go not guilty, grandson." Oh, I was, I was just about to say, who is convincing these Scottish players to plead not guilty? Because that's what happened to Xander as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's, our, it's our holier than now attitude. Gets Wales. Well, as far as I'm, I'm like, concerned, he needs to get an extra week. He needs to get an extra week it for being a dashing donor. 
<laughs> the thing with I mean, it's a lot with... 48 hours is a long time to be watching Grant Gilchrist's arm to try and work out if he's doing that or if he's doing that, which he's not. He's doing that. Oh, yeah, he's tucking. Yeah. So do you, you think they're looking at that? An audio format. Really, an audio for, so so the, the whole debate, the, 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 they're spending two days... What, they don't have Zoom? ...debating, debating uh, rap, whether he's wrapping the arms on Zoom. That's a hell of a job. <laughs> I mean, maybe they got more angles this time from the, ah, the yeah, yeah. Like the I was French always, have given them the given them the right angles. When I was looking at it, you know, obviously with my blue specs with the thistle and lays on them, um, checking it out, I'm like, so he has has he tried to wrap and then Fagerson's dipped him into no. contact? No, and then it's like, no, he hasn't, has he? <laughs> the interesting, French I don't know if you noticed, I think the the French doctor played an absolute blinder there, he did and there was this, yeah. there was this. There was there was stuff on social media after and progressive rugby who are, who are great and you should absolutely follow them were, were like well done for the French doctor for highlighting to the referee that he needed an HIA and I was like no that is absolutely, <laughs> I've seen that French doctor before I know absolutely what that French doctor was on was was up to was pointing going he needs an HIA because someone has smashed him in the head you might yeah. want to look at that and the fact that he entered the field of play whilst Jalon walked back into the line. There's no way Jalon was going off. The doctor just wanted to make him go at the TMO. He's basically just loitering in the line out like a like a cockerel that's run onto the pitch uh, until also, the referee notices him and stops the no, stops the call, play. Call me suspicious, but remember the 800 minute long game of France v Wales where somebody went off with uh, a knee injury rather than an HIA, and now Same all doctor. of a sudden, yeah, and now all of a sudden Jalon's yeah. got an ACL. Well, you see, I, I felt bad after I found out that he did his ACL because at the time, when he went down, after knocking his head off Duhan's, I guess, shoulder, upper arm, but, it, you know, it, you could you could probably convince a French crowd that it was his elbow or something. And that there was my... I, I was thinking, why is he sitting a French there... French TV director kind of, make it so... Yeah, why, why is the medic making a meal out of this? He's, oh, he's so, so injured when it wasn't his... Because it wasn't his leg that hit Duhan, it was his head that hit Duhan's arm. I thought, you know, are they just pretending that his legs knackered because he needs to sit down because his head's? I don't know. I'm sure they wouldn't do that, but it, yeah, the 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 French doc did play a blinder, as did uh, Sir Doctor James, though. He also, yeah, he was he was he was straight on the pitch for Ben Whitehouse, waving his arms and telling Ben Whitehouse to stay down. Yeah, him and Ben both there. Don't get Ben White and Ben Whitehouse mixed up. Yeah. Sorry, Ben White. Hi, sorry, Sorry. unacceptable. But there was that way Jamie Ritchie had said, so next time I get hit, I should just go down and stay down. And then that's exactly <laughs> what Ben White did. Yeah, till my, till my doctor points it out to yeah. you. That was an How interesting... uncomfortable did Ben Whitehouse look in a suit, by the way, on Sunday? It was really yeah. weird. Why was he in a suit? That's the other I don't question. Know. Really, really, really. Was it because he was in France? Still, they make him wear a suit because he's in Mate, a suit. You know, straight off his leg. I'm gonna feel really bad when it turns out he's like super religious and like he wears a suit on Sunday because he goes to church. He's just been to church. It's like you, what you? It's like the you of TMOs. I said I will work on a Sunday, but I have to wear a suit. Not on the pitch. I think it's. I work the remote control, but I'm not running. It's more like a French kind of jazz vibe going on, just suit and tie and smoking woodbines in the the broadcast fan out the back. Ben Whitehouse gives off big like his mum's told him that his grand's watching vibes. This is a Sunday, you know your grand will be watching. You better dress nicely, Benjamin. I'm serious. There, there wasn't. I mean, we, while we're talking about the red cards, it's probably worth. I mean, Ian, you were talking about this in the group chat earlier this week. The 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 discussion between the Georgian referee and his assistants, and the Georgian referee's interpretation, Ian, on on what is head on head. First of all, what is yeah. deliberate, and whether or not that was a red card. Well, there was. I mean, that was going to be my hands and rock was the. Right, fair enough. They've come to the right conclusion, but people like saying, you know, we should be defending him. It's admirable that he came to the right decision and wasn't arrogant. He twice tried to say it wasn't the right decision. He, you know, what if some, what if another, uh, if one of the other officials had said, ah, you're maybe right on that point, he'd have gone, right, cool, it's a yellow card. When we, everyone can see it. You no, know, it was a head-on-head contact. First of all, I mean, there's no way that. Who has his arms are wrapped? He's used his arms to torpedo himself forward. You know, if they're down by his side like wings. Um, and then he's like, "All right, 
All right, there is head on head. High degree of danger. An 18 stone man <laughs> launching himself towards a scrum half head first. Yes, I'd say that's pretty high degree of danger. Um, and like, let's, right, this guy isn't no ITS kid. You know what I mean? He's there on merit or supposedly on merit because he's done high level matches. Um, I think D1 and stuff like that. But this is a tier one rugby so, match watched by Mika Amashekli. He did the second Wales South Africa test last summer which is the one that turned out to just be like a war. And as soon as it started kicking off a little bit, he was quite out of his depth. Now, Scotland-France has been pretty tasty a few times recently. Already in this tournament, Carl, Carl Dixon was refereeing Ireland-Wales, and when it started kicking off, he basically backed off and let Luke Pierce and Paul Williams handle it. And Luke Pierce was like, Carl, the real referees will deal with this. And they sorted out the fight. And then Carl went back to refing. Carl Dixon was like the proper referee man who should have been the like, big brother, yeah. senior voice of reason, reason in that in that crew because it was him, Amashekli, and Andrea Piardi, the Italian guy who referees in the URC. That is not. And like, I know that they've got to put referees in that are impartial, and you know, there's a limited amount of referees, and we've got to give our experience and stuff. But the way that Scotland France games have gone in the last few years. That's not the crew that should be on that game. I was think. it not? Do you not think there was an element of just, and I, you know, I don't want to kind of make uh, assumptions about Georgian rugby at all, but do you not just think he's like going, oh yeah, this is just like an average Saturday down the park in Georgia, just lads <laughs> smashing each other in the head. This is fine. <laughs> this is D2 late, this is. Uh, <laughs> um, but remember, yeah. like, um, like Johnny was saying, like Scotland France games, you and Tasty, there was an incident where I think it was Ben O'Keefe was the. Uh, the man in the middle, um, and I think it was actually Gilchrist that got pile drivered into the deck by two yes. French players. I yeah. can't mind. I, I think it was Cross and maybe Valencia, uh, or what? Like, and I always felt the wrong one ended up getting yellow carded. But Ben O'Keefe wasn't even going to yellow card him until Wayne Barnes came over from like the faraway touchline. Like, yeah, no, nah, mate, seriously, look at this. He's dropped him on his neck. Come on. Like, this is what I don't understand about the Six Nations. Wayne Barnes was assistant referee on the sideline for Ireland-Italy uh, on the Saturday, which Mike Adamson was refereeing. Like, I know and, like, realistically, I realise that, that you have to bring these referees on and you want to get the guys who are more experienced, move them to the sides, let new referees be in the middle and then let them kind of guide them a little bit. But... Wayne Barnes and Luke Pierce are far, far too good to be assistant referees. And, and like an assistant referee in Ireland, Italy, when there's an England, Wales, and a Scotland, France game the same weekend, it's absolute madness. Like, obviously, Wayne Barnes isn't going to be a, a referee for, for England, Wales, but he could have had that Scotland, France game put somebody else on the sideline for Ireland, Italy. It's yeah. mad. But then Grant Grokers might have been sent off for his first tackle if Wayne Barnes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the situation that we always, you know, it's 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 uh, typical Grant Grokers. You know, he gets gets pinged for one thing and then gets and then thinks actually I'll just do exactly the same thing again and see how far we go again. Um, Was that not and, his uh, first card ever? I read somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, he's 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 got a very very good disciplinary record. I was just playing on he his. Gets uh, away with murder. I was just I was just <laughs> more playing on the fact that he he make he drives early at uh, line out time um, regularly and then just does it again and get gets pinged for it and get does it again and get pinged again. Um, it's just a unfortunately Grant Kilchrist. I I think he's a very intelligent rugby player at line out time uh, for calling the line outs. He does a very very good job, but sometimes his. The penalties he gives away are just stupid at times. Because that that was a tuck shoulder. Everyone knows that's a tuck shoulder. And he could have got just as Cammy says, he could have been sent off for the first one. And how he, how the referee missed that one in the first place. Um and then he just puts on exactly the same uh, hit straight in, but it was a shoulder straight to the head. And it's properly to the point, they all, I'm sure they've got a similar picture to who has smacking Jamie Ritchie in the face, and now they've got Grant Kilchrist elbowing Jalonch in the face, you know? Um, like ben sorry, shoulder in. Ben Williams Shall missed we? the first one because he was sending a text message to his gran. Should we talk about the game then? We've, we've, we've dealt with the red cards. I mean, I think conclusively... Uh, Craig, we can say that red cards do not ruin games. 
two red cards make as long as you get two better. of them. Yeah. Yeah. 40, 40, I mean, I, there's an, I'm going to advocate, I'm going to say it here. 14 versus 14 rugby is the, is the future. <laughs> I was very close to tweeting that, and then I thought, God, no. No. no <laughs> league plus. Would you call it league plus or union minus? Or was it somebody Ooh, suggested that every 20 minutes you have to like take somebody off? Just so that's, <laughs> like a, that's like a, they do that in touch if the extra time. In touch rugby, you get a, you get a drop off where they take a player away every minute or something. Until it's one on one. There was a demo of um, sensible soccer I had from uh, Amiga Power magazine. Like, oh man, this is pure niche. Um, and uh, 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 right podcast. The, for the, that. the the ball was a bomb, and every now and then it would go off. Yeah. yeah. So I, like I would deliberately boot it towards the opposition team to try and get it down to the goalkeeper versus goalkeeper. It's like right, I'll take my own team out this time. I remember um, sensible it, soccer. I don't remember that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like an extra bit. I also made the. I think it was um, it might be FIFA. If you if you got so many players sent off in FIFA at one point, the match was abandoned. So if you're yeah. losing terribly, to people just go around and start fouling until you got the match yeah. abandoned. Thankfully, we didn't resort to that. They're <laughs> <laughs> probably so thinking can't... about it. Yeah, it did seem like it was on the cards for a while. I'm going to ask a question, though, and I should know this because, obviously, I'm meant to be a pundit on a rugby podcast. Are you? Meant to be. I said meant to be. Um, I'm actually just here for the tractors. Um, but what uh, Brad Moore, is he in as an attack coach? Pretty much he's consulting, yes. he's consulting on yeah. the attack, I think. Because like, Pete Horn is not. interim attack coach or something. Yeah. Because it's... Pete I have to say, specialising point of contact. Yeah, yeah. Pete Horn's yeah, getting, yeah, the, yeah, getting yeah. the backs to stop getting turned over out wide, which yeah. to be I fair is working. Noticed a massive change in that, like compared yeah. to the autumn, especially. But anyway, sorry. But, but, no, uh, my point was just the the attacking shapes that are coming out of the team at this moment in time out of Scotland are quite. Um, there's something to get me excited about Hugh Jones. Um, because imagine how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just sit and vibrate, Johnny. Um, but it was that that um, was it. The last Hugh Jones try where the ball came out, and Finn Russell put a really wide pass to Hugh Jones. Um, but it was at a fairly acute angle, um, and it was miles away from contact. But it just was perfect, and. Yes, okay. They're saying that um, Finn Russell's got a lot to do with the attack now. He's now conversing with um, with Tooney, and, and 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 he's involved in the attack. But that those sort of um, you know we've seen it in the first two games as well. Those sort of little passes that um, that are coming into a totally different attack shape that, that I've seen um, Scotland play with was a quite. For me, it was quite breathtaking. I was quite, I was really, really impressed with it. I thought it was, um, and Hugh Jones, although Hugh Jones looks like a, a computer, a very, very early computer game soccer player trying to run fast. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen it, you know, um, he, he's got these wee legs that seem to go. But um, no, I thought it was fabulous, and uh, and hopefully we can keep him involved with the uh, Scotland attack for a little bit more. The, the difference to me, Johnny, I think, is in this attack is speed from Scotland. It's so much faster, the speed from the base of the ruck, the way that they're playing it, the fact you know, that the passes that they're, they're throwing out. But it's combined with, like you said, it's the, it's the Pete Horn, everyone's a defender, everyone's trying to counter-ruck. Every, the, the backs are... We've not got that situation, I guess, we had against Wales where Xander had to smash into that ruck and get red-carded because there was nobody else there. It's... Everybody's putting the body on the line, but everything's happening so much faster than it was. Yeah, and that's that's what uh, Pete Horn's been working on with Glasgow as well. And uh, Glasgow's rock speed is by far and away the quickest in the URC. And you can see it. You can see it in what Glasgow have been doing, and you can see it in what Scotland have been doing. It makes a massive difference. And it is, I think, having players like Sione Tupolotu, who is first to almost every ruck in terms of backs and will like will secure the ball will uh, pick and go will play scrum half if he needs to and it, I think they've obviously done a lot of work with the, the kind of new guys who are in consulting on 
or broadening the range of skills, I think, that a lot of the players have got because everybody seems a lot more comfortable doing a lot more things than they were before, which helps to make us quicker because if, if, if the first person to every breakdown feels like they can secure the ball and then the second person to every breakdown feels like they can zip it out from mine, then it is obviously going to be quicker. You're not waiting for your scrum half to arrive. You're not losing the ball because there's there's somebody there that doesn't want to get in and secure it. It's It's been huge. It's made a massive difference to Glasgow and to Scotland. It's, I suppose, Rory, it's hashtag be more Darcy. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, be capable of, be, be wee and hard and capable of doing everything. Um, I mean, watching the game back, I thought uh, Stuart Hogg had one of his best kind of defensive performances. I mean, he wasn't sort of left isolated to make last man tackles, which are obvious, are usually the things that people kind of see and are noticeable as mistakes if he doesn't make them. Um, but yeah, he was he was getting stuck in stuck into rucks and things. Um, and I mean, Finn was as well. I think it was a kind of all hands on deck in terms of the defence. Um, it was it was yeah. It was good to watch. I mean, it was a it was a very strange game because it was we were nineteen nil down, but it still felt like we were winning. And then you look at the scoreboard, and that kind of brings you back down to earth because obviously it didn't go our way in the end. But I suppose I mean one of the things I was I mean I was in the group chat saying it, Craig, and I was on Twitter saying it, but that I suppose you wonder how much Twickenham twenty nineteen has to play in the mentality of this Scotland team that you know they're nineteen nil down, but they know that they had. The more territory and the more pressure at that point, and they they were never out of that game, and that it's a massive kind of psychological shift in the last three four years from Scotland. I mean, certainly since Twickenham twenty nineteen, knowing that they can they can come back and will get back into games, and we saw that against the All Blacks, I guess, in the autumn as well. Yeah, um, it's, it, uh, the the big difference between. Um, that that particular game against England and and what we've seen in the last few games um, in Autumn Nations as well as uh, now into the Six Nations is, I think in 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 England it was more the fact of they just went you know Finn Russell came out and said well actually we I disagreed with Tony and I took it upon myself to get everyone into the right shape and move forward where so he believed that they could do something whereas now from what I can looking from the outside in, obviously, it looks like that Scotland, all of the players feel that they can do something and are, are, are resilient enough. Um, and they, I never, okay, we didn't win, um, but I never doubted that we weren't going to push France um, close all game, even though, even when Finn threw that, um, that intercept pass. Um, they just are a team now for me that just look like, yeah, okay, I understand where we are, but we're not going to let it go. Um, and we're going to come back and try everything we can. But it seems to be a lot, for me, it's it's far more, we're far more, um, uh, what's the word, accurate. Um, yeah. It went a little bit on the weekend, but it, you know we have been very, very accurate, accurate in, our, in our attack. You wonder, Ian, I mean, how, how much mental resilience has to play in this? I mean, Hugh Jones particularly is someone that struggled with that, I think particularly after his initial, um, I suppose, couple first couple of seasons with Scotland and Glasgow, and then he kind of went on the wane a little bit. And how much of that was down to uh, his coaches at Glasgow at the time? Um, but he certainly went away to Harlequins and, and found his form a wee bit. But now, you know... We've got a mental skills coach at Scotland, which we've on the podcast been crying out with out for for for, for years, and all of a sudden things seem to click and pe- and and the players seem happier with one another, and and I suppose to a certain extent has has that been kind of the missing ingredient for Scotland all along that they've lacked somebody doing that kind of mental skills side of things and just kind of trying to rely on everyone clicking. Um, no. I don't think so because we haven't turned that corner yet. Um, and also, I'm not sure if um, Aaron Walsh is, is he way back home. He is seems to well? like nip mm. home all the time. I think um, he's, he's over on a consultancy basis. Yeah. Um, but sort of on larger scale, be huge owns. I mean, <laughs> it's one thing that I've re- refrained from saying on Twitter, but it, it kind of bugs me all the time. I'm like, 
you look how well he's playing, and even when we converted him into a 15, it's like we shoehorned him into, into a 15, where he also did very well. Um, it, 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 to take a McGintyism, it puts my piss on a rolling boil to think <laughs> of how he was treated the first time round at Glasgow, because he came straight from a man of the match winning performance in uh, the Curry Cup final. Um, didn't even tell his teammates, so there's not like for his teammates to put to, like focus on him. He didn't even tell them. Just went right, boys. There we go. Sealed that. I've won you the cup. Now I have to go. Love yous. See you. And then he never got given a proper break. He was playing practically a calendar year. He was solely misused by Rennie. Um, him and a certain other centre, who big handsome farmer, um, kept on getting dropped from Nick Grigg. Uh, and not to right, Nick Grigg's a decent rugby player, but to suggest that he's better than Hugh Jones, I think is just absolute nonsense. And I think Hugh Jones was really misused, especially over, under Dave Rennie. Then he gets shifted to fullback. Um, I mean. Hugh Jones is a incredible rugby player. I mean, I think he's probably one of the best, if not the best, outside runner. Like he can take anyone in the outside. You know, I mean, it's if from, coming from central position, his inside to outrun. He we always trust him to beat his man. He's got a swerve. He's got pace. He's got power. He's an incredible outside centre, and he was really badly treated. Uh, but now, you know, now it's like when I said with two people, oh, I wasn't always a big fan of him. But now that he's confident with Glasgow and Glasgow are playing well, but also now that he's, and Hugh Jones has said this as well recently, the fact that they've got Finn Russell beside them, just like, it's just like, pick your line, pick your line, lads, and I'll find you. Um, and this is an incredibly scary back. This is a black line missing Darcy Graham. Yeah. You know, statistically one of the best, best wingers in the world. Um, I mean, Duhan said that. It was interesting. I watched an interview on the SIU channel, and do they, they were saying, well, "Who do you think is the you know which Scotland players are world class?" And do Duhan look? No, it's Shui actually looked straight on the camera and said, "Darcy," without any kind of irony. Like, Darcy's Darcy's the best player I'm playing with at the minute. And the fact that we've Kyle Stain, I think Johnny has filled in fairly admirably, and he's done fine, but he's not Darcy. No, he's not, and and. <clears throat> I don't think he's ever going to be. To be to be fair, I think uh, what Kyle Stain brings is a totally different skill set to Darcy. Um, and actually, he's a, he's electric, and he he will break tackles and he runs some really great lines. He's really really good uh, under the high ball, but he's he's not going to do the things that Darcy does, which is like make stuff happen from absolutely nowhere. Like Darcy can step three people in a phone box. And and Steno probably would get a positive outcome in the same situation, but he's not necessarily going to score a try. Like Steno could could power through it if he finds himself in that situation, he could power through a tackle and he could set up the next phase. And he's not going to he's not going to cost us anything because he's great at that. But Darcy might step all three of those people and score. And that's the difference, I think. See, I just remember that try against the All Blacks when he picks up was it Caleb Clark that. Yeah, once he's got away from Caleb Clark's diving tackle and he's one-on-one with Jordy Barrett and Jordy Barrett's like nine foot tall I was like, he's going to step him I was like, he's got this, as soon as he got that ball in that position, once he got away from Clark I was like, this is a try all day Though I think the only other person who could do it in that fashion would be Shane Williams practically, or Colby but the way that Graham just stepped this monster of a man it's like, he is absolute class it feels, Rory, very strange to be sat here and we're almost, you know, we're almost gushing about that Scotland performance given what the final result was. And it's quite a strange thing. I don't know, it's, you know, we've won the first two games. Yes, we've lost the third, but we're still second in the table, yep. which seems a ludicrous. This is, this is massively unfamiliar territory for us it as is, Scotland fans. Yeah, it's very unfamiliar and it's, uh, it, you know, it's... It's probably uh, certainly at this point, it seems like it will probably be one of the best, if not the best, Six Nations results that we're ever going to have had, um, which is not not too difficult to uh, to beat. But it's a str- it's a strange one because, I mean, if you 
like watching the the opportunities that Scotland left out there compared to the opportunities that France left out there. I mean, France had that one try before half time, which the referee chalked off for. I'm not sure they took the quick line out squint or too the, soon. The or clock was already red when they the clock out. was red. Yeah, they so they couldn't. So he didn't. He didn't let them away with that. Um, there was there was uh, one where Ben White held held the guy up over the line. Held up. Uh, well, that was phenomenal 40, work from Ben White, by the way. Yeah, what, what was like? Everyone went on about the Dupont Dupont um, of holding up the guy over the line the other week, yeah. and then that was that was Ben White holding up Anton Dupont. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, they're comparing that to the number of chances that Scotland had that le- that they left. You know, I mean. There's probably I know uh, multiverses are the are the rage these days, but there's somewhere there's an alternative universe where Scotland won that with a with a bonus point. I mean France probably got two bonus points as well, but like Scotland could quite easily have won that almost at a almost at a canter. It seemed like at some points in the game, if it wasn't for that twenty point nineteen uh, nil margin that they kind of gave up early doors. There's still a big question to be answered about why Scotland are. I mean, they've they've kind of reduced it from a half of rubbish to twenty minutes of not being as hot uh, at the start of a game, and then obviously having these blinding second half recoveries, and that's fine. But we've got you know we've got the the best team in the world coming up, and they're probably not gonna they're probably the worst team for, other than maybe South Africa for Scotland to try and chase because we're we're not good at breaking down these kind of big physical teams, even though Ireland are a slightly different monster than they've been traditionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think did we? It felt to me like we made France play worse than Ireland made France play. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, Ireland Ireland made France look. Um, you know that was a a great game, obviously, but they looked considerably better than the one the one two gap would have you believe. And I thought that we made. I mean, France were making quite a lot of errors that are quite uncharacteristic. You wouldn't expect them to make those errors at home. They've still got the tournament on the line. I mean, there's you know, as it is, they they did enough, um, but yeah, it was just it was just weird. I think we're probably not used to seeing Scotland playing as well, playing as confidently, um, it's almost comfortably. It, I mean, it's the not weird thing about watch, it is but... that like they still look like they can get a lot better. Yeah, like everyone, like we all, I think we all think we sat and watched Scotland play quite well and and lose unfortunately on on Sunday, but actually. When you go back and look at it and think about what happened, they could play better, and all the players are saying they could play better. And now, with two games to go, whether we win the Six Nations or not is entirely in our own hands, which has never yeah, been the case before. This, if if Scotland, Scotland have to, and this is you know this is, it's it's a little bit kind of dreamy and whatever. But if Scotland Scotland beat Ireland with a try bonus point and deny Ireland a try a losing bonus point, then. They're joint on points with Ireland going into a game against Italy. What if we also? What if we denied Ireland the losing bonus point, but lost a try bonus point to them? We'd be one yep. point behind them. Yeah. So then you rely. You're much more reliant. Then you're reliant on, on England. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, no, I've, the thing I, is that... I saw this argument and somebody said, "Would you be sport England if that happened?" I said, "Yes, I would be wearing yeah. a crusade." I was like, "Hundred percent." Yeah. I'd be. Yeah. Full crusader out, belt and swing all sweet chat. The, the first time, first Morris, time Morris ever in history that Murrayfield back pitches Dalek is singing people that actively support England. At, at the moment, Ireland are on plus fifty points difference, and Scotland are on plus twenty three. Yeah. So if we if we beat them ten points with a try bonus point, we are seven points behind them and going into playing Italy on the last day. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is that usually we go and oh, but have we played Italy to put our points difference up yet? But it's like, have we both played Wales to put our points difference? Up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, so France. People. This is the thing, but France are also if we beat Ireland, that we'd put France back in contention yeah. because France are also on ten points. France have got to play. France have played Italy, but they yeah, haven't they played play Wales England. yet. And they play they play Wales on the last day, in in between us and Ireland, England. Frustratingly, so frustrating, frustratingly, there's a lot of England supporting we're going to have to do in the next couple of couple of rounds. Yes. <laughs> Is it also? But presumably, it's also possible that all these England wins that we're relying on are going to catapult England back into the reckoning. I don't think so. England are on. Well, yeah, England are also on ten points. I forget. I'm, not, I'm ignoring England because they've been rounding yeah. rubbish, but they're also on ten yeah, points because we well, hammered so. them. That's how yeah. they won it last the, during the COVID 
times was they were really like, oh, they lost the first two Sneaking games up. or something. Yeah. Then they... I, th- I think I worked out that ideally what we want to happen draws in, in the Ireland, in the, yeah. well, draws, yeah. A couple of draws the, would help. In the England-France game is is like another result like England had at the weekend. If they could, if they could beat France 2010, get themselves four points and stop France from getting any, that kind of makes it a little bit more comfortable. For that's us. doable. Low, low that's not undoable. Yeah. I think yeah, I think Eat France people. England will be a tussle surely, even though they're both professing to play attacking rugby. Yeah, there's the weather as well. There's a ridiculous uh, cold snap coming. There's going to be snow yeah. and all sorts, so the weather might start start turning games into slugfests. Yeah, who, if it's a massive snowstorm next Sunday for Scotland Ireland, who does that help? Do you think us or Ireland? <sighs> Them. Ireland will find it easier to revert to type than. Well, yeah. we don't have a type. We're yeah, just it also it, our type, but... it, it it helps them in that it probably makes us getting a try bonus point much less likely. Yeah. Yeah, Which... there's that thing. Do we do we chase this mythical try bonus point in the hunt for, or do we just try and concentrate on actually just for once beating Ireland? Craig, what are you going for? Do you go? Do you do you do, do you go full out? Let's go for the championship, or you just take the win and see where you go from there. Um, I, for for me, I think it. Uh, I, I I'm going to give the typical boring answer of let's just deal with the game on the day, um, and I, I'm looking for the win, triple crown, um, yeah. and, and and see where we are. I'd love to. I'd love to see a championship. Um, that would be you know a fantastic reward for the for how well the team are playing at the moment. Um, but uh, you know, for me, it's a it's a let's just get the win against Ireland and and, and see where we are. Yeah, um, oh, and uh, can I can I just give a big shout out to Josh Turner? I was uh, really on the weed. Um, he was fabulous. And uh, can we have you and Ashman back, please, instead of Fraser Brown? <laughs> I think. I mean, I believe was... you don't want Dave Cherry. Well, or, or Johnny Matthews. Now you're just getting silly. Now you're oh, just right. getting silly. Um, oh, right. <laughs> I mean, just just before everyone blames Fraser Brown for losing the game with that line-out, we should remember that George Turner fluffed the line-out straight after the, the Hawass red card, where we were camped True. on the line and could have easily got the got back into the game a lot earlier. And it's never clear. It's always difficult with line-outs because you don't know, if, is it the jumper's fault or Fraser Brown's? I mean, he did he did hoy it like 60 feet above Jamie Ritchie's head. But it was dead straight, though. It was straight. Well, That's true. Somebody, I was somebody did point out that Jamie Ritchie. I think it was John Barclay actually pointed out that he thought that Jamie Ritchie was just up fractions a second too late, um, and that's why it went through went through his hands. But um, I didn't see any any higher um, to, to to actually catch the ball after the ball had gone past. But then maybe I was just too busy swimming at the belly. <laughs> and on that note. Um, that is it for this week's main podcast. We'll carry on with the Patreon podcast in a moment for our Patreons. Um, we'll be back next week with a preview of Alan. We've got some other bits and bobs to discuss as well. We didn't get round to talking about the um, increase in the, the, the scientific research that's shown about the increased risk of concussion in women rugby players. Unless that was why my net drop, but we've got that to discuss next uh, week. No, sorry. Ian, quick, quick news to um, appease Craig's farmer bunch. Um, congratulations to Hoyk on finishing the uh, the Premier season unbeaten. Um, 18, 18 games unbeaten. Uh, Drew the first one. Uh, 20 each we sell work. Then won 17 games in a row. Um, so there's your tenant Premiership uh, update. Uh, top four are Hoyk, Curry, Ackies and Marr. Uh, so Hoyk will go to Marr. Curry will be at home to Ackies and so on, what have you. Hoik have only and been good since they London. got rid of the uh, other 300 clubs that there were in Hoik at one point. <laughs> well, you take that up with you know, the Farmers Union down in the bottom. Hoik, Hoik trades, Union. those Hoik trades. I demand to uh, have a poll of what tractors they use and uh, and and um, you know what manufacturers they prefer. I Craig, that. Craig would like and to know, uh, benefit yeah. Craig, information. <laughs> if, 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 anyone's... You send, if you send your tractor brands in, I'll put a poll up on Twitter and you can all vote for it. Oh, right, I can right, only have we'll four answers. Yeah. Oh, I can do yeah, that. I can give you choices. four. 
Yeah, and one of them has to be Ali Price. <laughs> Ali Price is the best tractor. And on that note, yeah, for example, <laughs> it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny, Ian, Craig, and Rory. Bye, y'all. Bye, Bye y'all.